Well, I'm not Brent. Shocker. Shocker, I'm not Brent. Uh, this week I was talking with Brent and they've, uh, they've been dealing a lot with Tanya's father and some of the ailments and things that he had had. And he said, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if I'm just wore out or what it is. And sure enough, that night he texts me and he goes, yeah, I have strep. And so, um, so they called in the minor leagues for this week. And, uh, you know, I guess it's the, the providence of God. This is two years in a row that I get to preach on Christmas weekend. And whether your family celebrates Christmas or not, um, that's okay. Uh, my family hasn't celebrated Christmas for, for a long time. Uh, but one thing is for certain, today there will be millions of people, and tomorrow there will be millions if not billions of people all over the world who will be celebrating the light of the world. Now, some of them see that as Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Some of that is the menorah and the temple and the light that's there. But this year, it overlaps and it coincides together this weekend. And so I'm going to do the only thing I know to do, which is to preach a sermon on one of the greatest stories that's ever been told. Now, you can say, you know, Chris, I've... I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There are so many good stories. And you would be right. There are some really good stories. I mean, you think about a man is sent by God to go up against the greatest sorcerers and the greatest governmental forces in Egypt that exists. And he can throw a staff down and a snake becomes a snake. And then the water turns to blood. And all of a sudden he's walking in the winds of Oklahoma from this week part the sea and they go walking through and then the voice of God scares the living daylights out of the people and they say you you go not us that's an amazing story when you think about it what about David what about little old David you get David who was so confident in the calling of God that he would walk into a field, he would pick up a stone, and he would go against the greatest WWE champion that ever existed. No, it wasn't the undertaker, it was Goliath. And he picked up that sling, and he fired that round off, and old boy went down quicker than the Tower of Babel. Pretty good story, right? kind of revolutionary when you think about it. It brings a lot of hope to think of the giants we might face in our life. Some of us are facing those giants right now. What about Samson? What about Samson? Dude had just sheer strength. And then he cut his man bun. Mm. Oh, that's the passion translation. It's all over the map on it, but that's okay. I'm paraphrasing here. It's okay to laugh. It's a serious time of year. We've got people who are ill. We've had losses this week. But one thing you can never lose, one thing that you cannot explain away, is the fact that the greatest king of all empires, of all worlds, of all galaxies came and was born in a barn. 
he lowered himself. He didn't come as a triumphant king. He lowered himself to a birth that even us today we would consider to be poor, to be lowly. How many women in this room, a lot of women in this room have had home births. How many of you were like, you know what, sweetheart? When looking for a doula or a midwife, I want one who specializes in outdoor births in a barn with some hay. No rubbing alcohol. No sanitization. I want to be right next to the feces of the animals because you know what? It sounds Glorious. The original essential oils. I don't know of anybody. And yet, one of the greatest events in all of time was that the greatest king of the world lowered himself as a baby in a barn. And as our friends and our family and some of you will gather today, tomorrow, and you will celebrate the birth of Yeshua. And let's be honest, we don't know when he was born. You can say it was Tabernacles. You can say it's Passover. Somewhere in the fall, most likely, he was born. I like to say any time between Tabernacles and Hanukkah is just good to celebrate. Why not celebrate every day? If our little corner of Christianity spent more time celebrating the fact that the king lowered himself, the king then gave himself, the king then offered himself as a sacrifice, the king was then resurrected and then the king ascended, maybe we would spend more time on the fact that we are not kings. Because we're not. Kings. How many in this room can imagine putting your baby in this? Now, I got to be honest with you. This is actually pretty nice. There's like legit screws in here. They're countersunk. Like it's stable. How many of you can say, you know what? I'm going to put that on my Amazon registry for the next child I have. We are going to co-sleep with this bad boy. I'm not going to have a job come January 6th. I can make you these. (laughs) There's a lot of profit margin here, guys. It's all old fence posts that people throw on the curb. And I can get the screws and the nails out of them. I can make you this. We have a lot of young families. If you want one, contact me. I swore I would never use the pulpit for personal gain. (laughs) Father, forgive me. I knew what I was doing. (laughs) If you have your Bibles with you, turn and open to Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Q, I'm not even going to try to go there, was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth. How many of you guys know anything about the history of Nazareth? How many of you study Nazareth, maybe even been there? I mean, in our corner of Christianity, a lot of times people have gone to Israel. I haven't been there. Nazareth is basically a ghetto today. 
It's, it's, not, it's not beautiful. It's not popular. Um, it's what I heard Dell City used to be like. I haven't been to Dell City in a long time, but it's, you know, I've got a lot of friends here from Midwest City, and they're always talking trash about Dell City. See, I ain't from here, so I ain't a part of this whole, like, turf war thing. But it just wasn't like, it wasn't Edmond. You meet somebody from Edmond, and they're all walking around like, I'm from Edmond. That's not Nazareth. It's not Nichols Hills where their Christmas light budget for the month of November and December is more than my entire mortgage. Nazareth was just, it was not the prestige. It was not the prestige from the town of Nazareth to Judea, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. There's that, that guy with great courage. With great faith, King David, one of the most revered kings in all of the history of the Jewish people. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Guys, this settles it. Luke settles it. You are not to date. You are to only be betrothed. I'm just saying. We don't take some of these theologies in the church, but when it's right there, it says betrothed. You must be betrothed. Where's the stalls? Where's girls? You must be betrothed, ladies. I'm just saying. who was with child maybe she should be betrothed they should be betrothed before they're with child though and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Yeshua HaMashiach. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known that the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. As it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Yeshua, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the Torah, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. 
Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Mashiach. And he came in spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Yeshua to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arm and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, the nations, and for the glory of your people. Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the Torah, the law of the Lord, They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. See, for some of you in this room, you grew up in various different denominations of the church. And every year at this very time, whether it would be Christmas Eve or it would be Christmas Day, whatever your custom, your tradition was of your family, you would go back through the birth narrative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there was that foundation of your life, of your faith, of your walk that reminded you that no matter how righteous you might be as an individual, you cannot save yourself. That no matter how righteous you might be, how wise, how knowledgeable you might be as an individual, nothing your feet do, your mouth speaks, or your hands do can bring righteousness upon yourself because you will fail. I will fail. And thus, just like in the story of Moses... Just like in the story of David, just like in the story of Jericho, just like in all the stories of times past, all of our rich history, our ancestry, our identity points to one thing and one thing only. Salvation had to come for all. For you, for me, for Pharaoh. Even for President Joe Biden. I know conservatives. Jesus came so that all who proclaimed him as their salvation should be safe. Now, 
Two weeks ago, when we were going through the pain of change part two, we talked about Ephesians chapter two. We talked about how our salvation is not of anything we can do. How if it was, we would boast. We would boast. Look at what I was able to accomplish. Look at what I was able to do. No, our salvation was a free gift from God. This week we've done Hanukkah gifts every single night. Thankfully, my mother sends all my kids gifts. I ain't buying them gifts eight night. I got five kids, man. You got to like, you got to have like a part-time job just for a gift budget. And so every night they would play the dreidel game. Somebody would win, and then they would get to pick a gift, and that turned into just an absolute Cain and Abel situation. And so we backed away from that, and then it was like, okay, every night everybody is going to get a gift, and we'll FaceTime my mom and go through this whole entire process. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever excitedly anticipated something only to find out when it arrived that it was nothing like you had expected? I mean, it's never happened to me. I'm just asking if it's ever happened to you. Because this week, my kids would sit down with anticipation. And they knew there were some things they knew, like, hey, look, I asked for this. This, this is it. I'm going to get this. You know, my son, he's real big into, like, the baseball bling. And so he's got, like, every color 2-6 necklace so that he can, like, I mean, it's the cool thing to do. I remember when gold chains were, were popular, and apparently they're back. So, uh <laughs> live long enough to see the full cycle of of all the fun things and so uh, if you're a parent in this room you'll never forget the look on your child's face when they are expecting a gun or they're expecting a chain or they're expecting whatever the newest coolest like just awesome thing is And all of a sudden, they open up that gift, and there is their annual allotment of tidy whities and socks. And it's just like, you ruined Hanukkah. You ruined Christmas. You ruined my birthday. You've ruined every day of my life until you make it right. Like, it's just this utter, like, the air comes out of the balloon, and it's shot through the cannon. And it doesn't matter whether they needed the underwear or the pajamas or the socks, because they did. They absolutely did. They're sitting there walking in in their pajamas like this, and they're like, no, they still fit, Dad. They still fit. It's like, those are called high waters. You don't do that. And they're like, no, they fit, they fit, they fit. But the moment that they open that gift on Hanukkah and they look at it and it's their underwear, or their PJs or their socks, and they were expecting a Barbie or a Nerf gun. It's like, thank you. You smile for your grandmother. Thank you. Can you imagine being a Hebrew, a shepherd in the field, and all of a sudden the heavenly host opened and the angel comes and earth and heaven collide. And they said, the king of the world has been born. You need to go and see him. And when they show up, they find them 
in a barn. They find him wrapped next to the donkeys and to whatever the animals were in the hay. They weren't at Vanderbilt Medical Center. They weren't door dashing in some five guys burgers after a 14-hour labor. No, they were literally laying in a barn, the king of the universe. And can you imagine being the person at that time out of your own strength, your own spirit, and saying, that's the king of the world? That's the salvation from the start of the world to the end of the world? That's the one? You know, it's hard for us sometimes in our Western culture to even have this concept because, yeah, sure, we talk about Jesus and we talk about Yeshua and we talk about the fact that he's our salvation. In our little corner of Christianity, it's like, oh, yes, I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus. I keep all the Bible and everything. And yet, we like to talk about King Jesus, King Yeshua, We like to put the emphasis on what will happen in the future when he comes as a triumphant king. And we forget that first, we must walk like the lowly baby, humble, meek, and mild. You see, Hanukkah is the festival of lights. We talk about shining our lights so the world can see. And a lot of us like to shine our own light. I'm a Torah-observant follower of Yeshua. And we shine our own light forth for what we are. When we should be humble, meek, and mild and allow the light of Yeshua to shine through us. Because guys, we have a shelf life. Our light has an expiration date on our batteries. And some of us bought the Amazon version, so it ain't long. I had a friend who was helping out and staying at my house. And because I put Amazon batteries in my smoke detectors, it like, boo, 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 nonstop. So then it's like, all right, let's put all new Amazon batteries in there. And we got like one week back from sabbatical. Like they literally lasted for two weeks. Some of us have Amazon batteries to our light. And we've refused to tap into the power of the meekness and the humbleness of the king of the world coming in the most lowly of circumstances. What a letdown that is for the world. Not only today, but think about it at that time. The shepherds went and the shepherds obeyed, but think of the entire world. You got the Roman Empire, you got all these big bad people that are out there Reigning, supreme, money, power, all these things, sex, drugs, rock and roll, it was all there. It was all there. And yet, the King of kings and the Lord of lords came to almost zero fanfare. What a crisis of belief that would be. We want a mighty, triumphant king. Look, Donald Trump won the political 
nomination for the Republican Party and won the presidency as one of the first outsiders, not the only outsiders, outside of the political regime. It was so unheard of because he wasn't playing the game. Jesus didn't play the fleshly game of worldly empires. God could have. This is the same guy who wiped out the Egyptians in the Red Sea. This is the same God who tackled every other God on the divine council throughout the entire Old Testament. He could have snapped his fingers and Jesus could have come on the clouds and boom, game over, cheat code epic. But no. He forced us to have the example of having to be meek, mild, and steadfast in our faith. The first century Hebrews are just like us in the 21st century, waiting for a triumphant king. Now, I believe we might get to see the triumphant king come back which is probably good for us because I have to believe with all of the things we have in our culture, we probably couldn't take another suffering servant. We probably couldn't take another baby. We probably couldn't do that. That probably wouldn't work for us, especially in America. We're way too coddled. We're a bunch of babies. We're a bunch of wusses. We couldn't take another king who came as a baby. We need a king who comes, I'm the greatest ever. That's what we need. Because anything less than that, anything less than that, and we can't submit now. We can't submit to the wisdom and the power of the fact that God came as a baby now. How in the world are we going to do it when he comes back and you don't have any other choice? This is the end, my friend. Closing time. Turn off all the lights. We like to talk about the crucifixion of Messiah during Pesach, during Passover. You don't have the crucifixion without the birth. You don't have the resurrection and the ascension without the birth. You don't have any of it without the birth. You don't have the greatest Torah teacher to ever walk the face of the earth, the greatest Torah disciple maker to ever walk the earth without the birth. And I know it's cliche, and I know in our little corner of Christianity, we like to argue about, well, he definitely wasn't born then. We don't know when he was born. But the fact is, is he was born. And very few times in Scripture, the heavens open, the earth comes, and they meet. And when they do, that means that something revolutionary is about to happen. Some of you need revolutionary things in your walk right now. It's not going to come because you somehow know how to walk perfectly. It's going to come because you are meek and mild and you submit yourself to the meek and mild king of the world. The greatest Torah teacher. The greatest feast keeper. The greatest human being who ever walked on the earth, Yeshua HaMashiach. Without Yeshua, you are your Torah teacher. 
You can say, well, I've studied Maimonides and Rambam. No, 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 no. You are your Torah teacher. And you will slide down the path, maybe not fast, maybe slow. You will become your own God. I've seen it happen way too many times. People want conquering kings. And what they need is to become a meek and humble baby. And it may not be in everywhere of your life. It may just be in one area of your life. But you don't have the testimony of Passover and the resurrection without the testimony of Emmanuel, God with us. You don't have the light, the miracle of the light. You don't have that light ongoing without Emmanuel, God with us. That is a light that is a supernatural power that none of us possess, only he does. And interestingly enough, just like Moses was born as a baby during a time where the male Hebrews were a threat to the hierarchy of the governmental system, Herod was also threatened by the rumor. Now, Herod the Great was wise, just like Pharaoh was wise, and he was cunning. So he thought, I should send my, my magi to find him so that we can bless him and we can celebrate with him. Man, ain't nobody stupid. He wanted to take him out. Anything that was a threat to the hierarchical system of the governments of these worlds, which is ironic, a baby born in a stable in a barn is that much of a threat to you. That's how you know God's doing something revolutionary. A baby in a barn is a threat to a grown man with all the power, all the infrastructure. That's crazy. When you think logically and rationally, it's crazy to think that. That would be like somehow I'm a threat to a governmental leader in some other country who has nuclear weapons and they have a huge army and they have billions of dollars. Somehow little old me, little old Stephen Drews, Michael Stallsworth, were somehow a threat to that hierarchical structure. It's like, I'm just trying to go to Taco Bueno and get myself a burrito. And he's like, send the spy. I mean, they're kind of doing that now anyways. we got TikTok. They're just watching wherever we go anyways. So hashtag too soon, hashtag true. But Moses was placed in a basket and was put on a river with nothing but faith. Nothing but faith that somehow God might protect this, this child. Moses was not only protected, he was used by God to usher in the first exodus. He was used by God to usher in the foreshadowing of the greater exodus, the exodus of sin and death at the cross. The parallels between Moses and Yeshua are just unreal. This is why daily you should pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters who don't see Yeshua as Mashiach. We should anguish in our soul for them. 
the keepers of the traditions and the customs of the Torah for all these years. They love Moses. They love the law of Moses. But they don't see the parallels of Mashiach ben David, Messiah ben Yosef. They don't see the parallels. And sometimes, guys, we forget that one is greater than the other. Sometimes we forget because there's so many parallels between the life of Yeshua and some of the greatest men in Judaism and in the Hebrew culture in all of Israel, we forget that one was the opening act and one was the reason why it all had to happen. When I used to work for Gaylord Entertainment, I got some really cool, fortunate things I got to be a part of. You know, American Idol was really big there. It was like the 77th year of American Idol. They had not worn that out at all. And we had those types of things down on Broadway at Tootsie's and some of the other like famous bars where we would go in and there would be opening acts. And I would sit on a panel of judges with other people from different radio stations and stuff like that. And the whole goal was to choose who would be the opening act for. One year it was Hank Williams Jr. One year it was Charlie Daniels Band, um, John Anderson. Um, I love John Anderson, but he needs to stop singing Blow, Blow, Seminal Wind because it's cold. And so I would get to help judge those. And then when somebody would win the best of 17, the best of 15, whatever, it was different. They would then open at the Wilson County Fair. They would open down at Bridgestone. Wherever the event was, they would open, be the opening act for this iconic country artist. And I would get to go. And I would get to sit on the bus with Charlie Daniels, or I'd get to watch Hank Jr. drink an awful lot of Jack Daniels that he shouldn't. And I got to be in the presence of people in that culture who are considered iconic. But one thing I will say I never forgot, in Nashville, anybody who played, anybody who sang, the 80-year-old waiter said Denny's one night who sang, the amount of talent in that city for songwriting and singing is greater than I've ever seen. The lowliest of 80-year-old Denny's waitress who moved there however many years ago to be a songwriter and make it big was still better than the creme de la creme in probably Oklahoma City. But they were the opening act at best. That's all they were. And they were talented. Moses was the opening act for Yeshua. David, Samson, Deborah, there's so many men and women throughout Scripture that God used in their callings, a good old Ephesians 2 concept there. But they were all opening acts for the main act. The main act is when God himself took on flesh and said, I alone can do this and I'm needed. And that's what he did. God makes the impossible possible. And he didn't do it using the sexiest of marketing or the greatest of billboards. He literally used what was probably a horse trough. 
to allow his son to be witnessed for the first time by the shepherds in the field. Why didn't he bring the apostles? Why didn't he bring the wise men? Why didn't he bring the people who were the magicians who would throw the snake staffs down? Why didn't he bring people who might be a little bit more credible as witnesses? Why did he bring shepherds? Because the shepherd of all shepherds was here to gather the scattered sheep. The shepherd of all shepherds was finally here. Emmanuel, God with us. And I get it. I get it. Most people in this room don't celebrate Christmas. And so given a birth story around Christmas, they're kind of like, yeah, ooh, yeah, right on, but wrong time of year. We've made every time of year the wrong time of year when it comes to Jesus' birth because nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody's scared of it. Everybody wants to say it's taboo. What's taboo is you thinking that you can praise the resurrected king without understanding that God came in the flesh as a lowly, humble, and meek servant. You can't skip over the lowly, humble, meek servant to just justify being a type A arrogant narcissist. That's what triumphant kings do. No. The greatest kings, the prince of peace, the lord of lords, laid in what was most likely a horse trough and was witnessed by shepherds. How many of us want the people who are social media influencers who have like five friends or five likes or five follows? We start a ministry, we, we post something out, and we're like, those are the people we want. That's basically what happened. You're not getting the Kardashians. The Kardashians didn't show up for the birth of Jesus. The shepherds did. The people who slept out with their flock, the people who kept watch, the people who were not considered the most wise and educated, that's who came to the birth of Yeshua. That's who the angel of the Lord and the heavenly host decided to open up the heavens and speak to. And sometimes we feel like God can't speak to us God can't speak to us, not because he doesn't want to speak to you. It's because you're not listening. And until we listen, until we humble ourselves, you're absolutely right. God's not going to speak to you. Because you can't hear it. Because you don't want to hear it. That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. Even John the Immerser, I think it's Yochanan, is that what Chosen calls him? Yochanan the Immerser was the first to leap for joy at the promise of God with us. A baby in the womb had more wisdom than Herod. A baby in the womb 
wasn't technically a baby by today's standards because it hadn't been born yet. So, but that baby who hadn't been born had more wisdom, more discernment to understand the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords was here and jump in the womb. Woo. Hmm. Interesting. The goat herders and the shepherds whose expertise were not in knowledge and wisdom, but how to just lead an animal from point A to point B. They had more wisdom than the richest of rulers, the most knowledgeable of you. The wisdom of Joseph. Joseph and Mary were teenagers, guys. I'm glad we're having teens class today because I'm not trying to advocate for anything here. It was a virgin birth, so let's just make sure we understand that. But they were teenagers. They were teenagers. They weren't in the 30s. They weren't in their 40s. They were teenagers. I know when I was a teenager, if my girlfriend had come to me and said, an angel came to me and I'm pregnant, I'm like, yeah, how tall is angel? And peace out. It makes no logical sense. In our corner of Christianity, guys, we like to build everything off our head and our knowledge. Logic, rationale. God doesn't want you to know everything about him without experiencing him. There has to be a balance in the two. You can't say, well, I experienced God, I experienced God, I experienced God, and then you go do whatever you want either. There has to be a balance in both sides of your life. But Joseph, a scared teenager, and Mary, a scared teenager, they were filled with faith to see the improbable situation that they would be the earthly father and mother of the father of all creation. God with us. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I can tell you there's one thing that I know. And that is, is that Jesus is God and Jesus was perfect. And so if it was perfect for him to take on a lowly baby, then it's perfect for me to figure out how to be more like a baby. And babe, that doesn't mean I'm going to whine today because you didn't do what I asked you to do. Maybe, maybe that's a possibility. It's to take on the meekness that doesn't come easy for a lot of type A personalities. It's to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. 
and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come to worship him. That's some passive-aggressive nonsense right there. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hmm. The Hebrews were to plunder Egypt as well. Now this isn't exactly plundering Egypt, but some of the greatest gifts... Some of the greatest gifts of the Babylonian culture of that day were being willfully brought as gifts to a baby born in a barn. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The wise men were Jewish men who had left Babylon and is showing us a picture of the nations coming and bowing down before the king of kings. They're a beautiful portrait of God's provision and timing. You had teenagers. They didn't have EBT. They didn't have food stamps. They didn't have WIC. They didn't have all these things. They were in a barn having a baby. And here comes these wise men, these these people with these really awesome treasures, bringing it as a gift to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That was provision of the world being brought and given at the feet of the King of Kings the king of all nations. And as Messiah showed up to meet the world's greatest need, God also sent these wise men to meet the needs of Mary and Joseph. Today, guys, I bring you good news. The Egypt that you face, the Babylon that you face, whether it would be sickness, weariness, fear, threats, maybe you're at the end of your rope. Maybe, maybe it just feels like you got more on your plate than you can bear. Maybe it seems like literally every time you get a ding on your phone or somebody shows up at your house, you're like, can this get crazier? Maybe that's where you're at. You don't have to wander like sheep wander, looking for your shepherd. He's already been born. The one that was foretold by every single person that we have spent years reading in our Torah portions. They all foreshadowed Emmanuel, God with us. The greatest of all rabbis, the greatest of all Torah teachers, God in the flesh. One of the greatest movies ever written, where the hero dies for the villains. A story that has lasted centuries and has provided hope for so many people in so many deep and dark places of their life. Today, as you go home and you light your Hanukkahs, as you gather with your families, as you look to the shamash, the center candle, the servant candle that brings light to all their candles. I want to leave you with one truth that will never burn out. 
wise men still seek Jesus just like in the first century. And if you are a wise man or woman and you are seeking Jesus, he promises you that he will find you. Michael, if you and Nicole will come. We're going to take a couple of minutes. We're going to have a response song tonight. We're going to play an instrumental of one of my favorite Hanukkah songs, Flash Tabernacles, maybe even Passover. There's just a lot of theologies. I'm not going to get into all that. But as they come, I want to read you one of the greatest promises in the prophets. comes from the prophet Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will never be an end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.